This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Well, Professor Gershon, have you gotten your lottery ticket yet? You know, Liz, I haven't. And I'm glad on, uh, on Money Talks they talked about the fact that the lottery ticket is a tax. You know, it's interesting. People will spend time planning uh, how they're going to win, uh, use their lottery winnings, but they won't spend time planning on what happens at death. And I can tell you one of them is certain and one of them is not certain at all. So I'm really happy that we have uh, uh, Kelly Kyle on today. Kelly uh, is with uh, Kyle Wynn in the Jackson area. And uh, he recently was named the best estate planning lawyer in the Jackson Free Press competition. And his partner, um, uh, Ms. Wynn, was named the best uh, uh, business lawyer. If I'm reading this right. Actually, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the best uh, leaders in finance, I should say, and the Mississippi Business Journal. I kind of screwed that up, but we're really happy to have Kelly Kyle on again. He's a great guest, and we're going to be talking about estate planning. Thanks, Richard. Glad to be here. As always, I think this is my fourth appearance, if I'm mis- if I'm not mistaken. That's right, and you always have good information. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a probate process and estate planning, and uh, and really glad to have you here. Now, I know you're going to be doing a seminar coming up uh, not too long from now. That's right. We've got our uh, final 2019 estate planning seminar right here in the Jackson area. It's going to be uh, a week from this Saturday. I believe that's December 7th at the Courtyard by Marriott in Madison, um, 10 a.m. on that Saturday morning. Come in, get some estate planning information, go out, finish your Christmas shopping, do all that good stuff. And if people want to sign up for that, they can call us uh, 1-800-524-4694, or they can just go on the web at kyle-win.com, and they can sign up right there. Well, that sounds great. And uh well, we're talking today, you know, about estate planning. So what exactly is probate? You know, people hear about probate. What does that mean? Well, probate is just simply the process that uh, the law requires for your property to be passed down to your heirs. Uh, it is also the process by which your creditors, if any, uh, get paid out of your estate. And um, a lot of people think that, well, if, if I don't do any planning, uh, my spouse is going to get it anyway. My kids are going to get it anyway. Um, and that may be true or it may not be true. Um, people don't realize that uh, in Mississippi, if you die without a will, uh, your property will still have to go through the probate process, but it's not going to necessarily go uh, the way you would want it to go. But probate is just something that uh, if you don't take steps to avoid it, your your stuff has to go through. Uh, it's fairly expensive. It's fairly time-consuming. Uh, and it's something most people would just as soon avoid. And, and at our firm, we do kind of specialize uh, in helping people avoid the probate process. Well, how long is the typical probate process? Well, I've heard you say before, uh, Richard, uh, It takes nine months to come into this world and nine months to go out, and that is pretty typical. Uh, We tell people uh, when they're asking us about probate that uh, in Mississippi, uh, nine months is uh, about the minimum. Uh, Longer than that is certainly not at all uncommon. And, Liz, do I remember 
from a previous appearance. You said, excuse me, that a family member of yours probate had gone on for something like seven years or or maybe longer. I don't remember. Uh, My dad died in 92 and we uh, took our family uh, to Disney World in 2000. Gotcha. So, yeah, um, like we said, nine months is pretty much the minimum. You're not going to get it done in much less than that because there are certain delays that are in there for the benefit of your creditors. Um, But like we said, uh, a year, two years, six or eight years, uh, it's not at all uncommon. I I bet just about every lawyer out there that does probate has a file that has been sitting around for a long time, and they really wish they could move it along. But for some reason, uh, some complicating factor, uh, they're just not able to close it out as soon as the family would like. And, and then one problem, it seems to me that you know people who don't have a will just assume, well, my property will be divided by my kids or my spouse will get you know to divide it with my kids. That all works fine if it's just money or, or stock, but if they have you know a unique item like a, a dining room table that they all had Thanksgiving dinner at that everybody wants, how do you share that? You know, so that, I don't think people really think about those kinds of property when they when they don't do a plan. That's right. It's not only the big stuff that people think about, you know, the CDs and the stocks and uh, the real estate, things like that. It, Like you say, it's the little things as well. And I have seen uh, family members fight tooth and nail over, uh, like you said, the, the dining room table, uh, something that has, has great memories for people. I've seen them fight as hard over those things as they have over the uh, the larger items. So uh, it's it's best in an estate plan to take care of not only of the large things, but of the little things as well. And it is such a treat for us to have you here today. We're speaking with Kelly Kyle about wills, estates. Uh, we would love for you to call. This is your chance to call in with your questions. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You could also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. And Kelly, we had during Money Talks, we had someone call in, Laura from Clinton, who couldn't, uh, who, who was new to MPB and new to Mississippi. And I think she'd heard the promo about this show and didn't quite know when to call in. But she'd recently moved to Mississippi from North Carolina, where she had had all... Oh, what? There she is. Hang on. Laura from Clinton is calling in, so we'll get to her question in, in just a minute. Tell us, who, who can um, help you prepare your your will? Well, a will is something that uh, you can do yourself. You can do a will in your own handwriting, completely in your handwriting, signed at the bottom, uh, and that's called a holographic will. And uh, that can be upheld by a court. I recently had someone bring uh, a handwritten will to me, and it probably would have sufficed, but for the fact that the person writing it put some conditions in there. He, it, I think I'm getting this pretty much word for word, but he said, it's 4.15 a.m., I'm about to go fishing, and if I don't come back from this fishing trip, this is my will. And then he said in there how he wanted all of his property distributed. Well, the problem is, uh, if you want to call it a problem, he did come back from the fishing trip. So uh, he died a fairly short time later, but, uh, you know, weeks, months, something like that. 
uh, and someone wanted to probate that will, and I had to tell him, unfortunately, because he put that condition in there, if I don't come back from my fishing trip, this is my will, but he did, in fact, return. Uh, it wasn't something that a court would uh, would uphold. That You know, that that's interesting. But otherwise, if it's an unconditional? Yeah, I would say, again, a handwritten will would do the job, um, it w- but it would have to go through probate. And that, again, is the process where the court determines that it is a legally sufficient document, um, determines that it was done by the testator when they were of sound and disposing mind and memory, et cetera. Uh, but then you're still going to have that process that we talked about, the delay, the cost, and all of that. And while you can uh, write your own will, we don't necessarily recommend it because there can be some problems. While you can write your own will, you can't probate somebody's will on your own. You have to have a lawyer. That's one of the things that under our Uniform Chantry Court rules uh, has to be done by a lawyer. I tell people there are a lot of things you can do in Chantry Court. You can go in there and represent yourself in a divorce. You can change your name. Uh, You can represent yourself in child custody or other proceedings, but you can't do uh, a probate on your own. You have to have a licensed member of the Mississippi Bar. All right. Well, we do have a call. We'll take this call before we go to break. Let's go to Laura in Clinton. Laura, thank you so much for calling back this morning. Uh, Go ahead. I moved here from North Carolina, and I have my estate planning documents from that state. Are they valid in the state of Mississippi? Laura, tell me what documents you have, please. I have durable power of attorney, health care power of attorney, living will, will, certification of trust, and revocable trust agreement. Okay. Well, you have a pretty complete uh, set of documents there. Uh, And you mentioned a revocable trust. That is one of the things that my firm particularly recommends uh, to people that want to avoid the probate process. Um, It probably would benefit you to sit down with a Mississippi attorney, one who is familiar with with revocable trust particularly because uh, every state does have their own little peculiarities um, about revocable trust. And I would uh, caution you to be sure that when you moved here, excuse me, if you bought a home, number one, you want to be sure that that home was titled in the name of your trust. There also needs to be a document called a certificate of trust that would need to be prepared uh, pursuant to the particular Mississippi statute. That governs it. Um, The health care document, that is typically a state-to-state item. So uh, while the contents of it, uh, you know, are the same regardless of what state you're in, who you want to be in charge of making health care decisions for you, what you want your health care wishes to be, those are the same, but probably do need to make sure that your document meets the Mississippi requirements. Uh, And the power of attorney also probably should be revised. There are some statutes, again, that vary state to state uh, that probably should be sure that those are included. Um, So it certainly wouldn't hurt for you to have all of those documents reviewed, uh, and that's something that probably could be done for you at, uh, you know, a a very reasonable charge. The heavy work, the the big work of establishing the trust has been done. We just need to be sure that it, it complies with Mississippi law. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Laura. We appreciate you calling in. And anyone else who'd like to call in, we're going to continue our discussion of estate planning after our break. But if you have questions about 
uh, elder law or wills or probate, we would love for you to give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You could also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Where can you hear more about wills and probate? We'll tell you after the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org or on your smart devices podcasting platform. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Professor Gershon, I'm going to let you carry on while I get some water. <coughs> Kelly, you mentioned uh, before that probate uh, you know, has something to do with creditors and their time frames available for creditors. So what if somebody owed me money and they died? Is that it for me or can I still collect? Well, you can collect, but you have a pretty narrow uh, window of time within which to attempt to collect. Um, one of the major steps in probating an estate is giving notice to the known and unknown creditors uh, of the decedent. And we do that by uh, having the family members provide us with a list of uh, all of the known creditors, what they are aware of, what they have statements for, uh, et cetera. And we uh, send those folks a notice um, that is it's filed with the court first. And we send a notice out to them, and uh, it includes typically the uh, decedent's name, their address, the account number, the amount that we think they are owed. And um, creditors have 90 days from the date that that notice is filed with the court to file their own claim with the court. And it's kind of harsh, but if they miss that 90th day by one day, in other words, their claim comes in on the 91st day, uh, it's unfortunate, but that claim is uh, going to be disallowed by the Chantry Court. So uh, if someone has passed away owing you money, uh, you need to take uh, steps to ensure uh, that your rights are protected. We also publish that notice to creditors uh, in the newspaper. It has to be in a newspaper having general circulation in the county where the decedent uh, last resided. I think that's uh, pretty close to the statutory language there. Kevin, so. Kelly, what's going to happen when there aren't any more newspapers? Uh, that's a very good 
point. I haven't really thought about that, and I don't guess the legislature has uh, addressed that yet. There, there are still newspapers. I actually picked up a newspaper Sunday for the first time, and I couldn't tell you how long, but I was amazed at how thin the Sunday edition of the Clarion Ledger uh, had become. But newspapers are, are where we publish it now, and the notice to creditors has to run uh, three consecutive weeks, but 90 days from the date of first publication uh, is the drop-dead date. If the creditor hasn't filed with the court by then, uh, they're just out of luck. And that's much shorter than the typical <coughs> statute of limitations. So you know, somebody might think they have a certain period of time <coughs> to collect uh, under the statute of limitations, but that 90 days cuts that short. Is that not right? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Before I had my little coughing fit, I was letting people know the website where you can listen to this whole show later this afternoon. It's inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also be will be available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And wills are very popular talk, topic on in legal terms. So we do hope folks will get their calls in soon. And if you do want to hear more, our May 17th podcast and our March 5th podcast were programs that were on this topic this year. And this morning we are talking about wills with attorney Kelly Kyle, who was named Best Estate Planning Attorney in the Jackson Free Press Best of Jackson competition in October, and his law partner, Elizabeth Wynn, from the firm of Kyle Wynn, was named one of Mississippi Business Journal's Leaders in Finance last month. So if you do have a question about estate planning, we would love for you to call in with your questions. And, you know, it's great to have such high-quality talent like Kelly on the show. We're really, really lucky to have him volunteer his time to do this. And, you know, one of the things that, that his firm focuses on is, is will alternatives. And so would you talk a little bit about some of the will alternatives that you, you do for clients? Certainly. Well, one of the things uh, that we've already touched on briefly this morning in uh, Laura's call a second ago was a revocable trust. Laura mentioned that she had moved here from North Carolina, and before she moved, she had established a revocable trust. Um, a revocable trust is a great way to avoid <coughs> probate, and um, probate that we're talking about here today includes the death probate, but there's also something else called a conservatorship that falls under the jurisdiction of the Chantry Court, and sometimes we refer to a conservatorship as living probate. Uh, that's what happens if you become incapacitated and can't handle your affairs. We have to put somebody in charge of your assets while you're still alive, uh, just as the court would ordinarily put someone in charge of your assets after you pass away. Uh, if they're serving while you're still alive, that person is called your conservator. If they're serving after you've passed away, they are your executor. But again, if you have a revocable trust and have all of your assets in the trust, then at your incapacity, uh, your successor trustee, the person you have named uh, to have charge, would, would take over at that time. At the time of your death, the same successor trustee uh, would take over, and they can uh, distribute the assets after you pass away according to the terms of the trust. And uh, the best thing about it is it avoids the probate process. Your family doesn't have to deal with that lengthy delay that they would otherwise have to deal with in probate and having access 
uh, to your assets and being able to distribute them. Uh, they don't have to pay the, the lawyer for the, the costly probate process. So uh, it saves them time. It saves them money. Another thing that it saves that people don't really think about is it saves your privacy and theirs as well. The probate process is very open. Uh, There will be a file in the Chantry clerk's office with your name on it that will have uh, a copy of your will if you had one. It will have a list of all of your creditors' claims, again, because those creditors have to file their claims with the court in order to get paid. So everything from your uh, last gas, water, and light bill, your final credit card statements, your mortgage balance, the amounts that you owed other banks or other individuals, all of that information becomes part of this very public record uh, that is available to anybody off the street that might want to come in and take a look at your uh, probate file. And we say anybody off the street, uh, Richard, as you're aware uh, in most of the counties in Mississippi, now we file our documents online. So you don't actually have to go into the clerk's office to review these documents. You can pull them up on a computer. So uh, probate is, uh, like we said, it, it's expensive, it's time-consuming, and it also just kind of puts your private business out there for everybody uh, to take a look at. Most people would prefer to avoid that. Well, I have two questions personally. This is this is Liz getting to ask her questions. We mentioned with the caller, uh, Laura, when you mentioned about um, titling the house so that it falls within the parameters of the revocable trust. Is that that's that's also true for insurance beneficiaries and for do you have to do that with vehicles? Yes. And and that's a great uh, question that that you've posed there. Um, We when we create the revocable trust for our clients, we uh, suggest that really nearly all of their assets, with very few exceptions, the notable exception being retirement funds like IRAs or 401ks, those have beneficiary designations on them. So those can pass outside of probate. Uh, But like Liz mentioned, the uh, life insurance benefits, uh, instead of having your spouse named as your beneficiary under life insurance, really you should name your trust as the beneficiary. The money goes into the trust at the death of the insured, but it's still there for the the use of the surviving spouse. If the surviving spouse has passed away, then the trust would say how the assets otherwise get distributed, probably onto the kids. So, uh, yes, uh, life insurance benefits should be assigned to the trust. And you mentioned vehicles as well. Uh, We do recommend that people title their vehicles in the name of their revocable trust once they uh, have established it. It's a very simple process. There's no uh, sales tax or anything due as a result of the transfer of the vehicle. It just costs you $10 for the new title that ensures that the vehicle is in the trust. And then we tell people when they buy their next vehicle, just put it in the trust at that time. Tell the folks at the dealership, I have a trust, put it in my trust. And we give our clients a card that uh, shows exactly how assets should be titled uh, so that they can carry it with them and and have it with them when they need it. Oh, that sounds fantastic. If you have a question, I I shouldn't be the only one who gets to answer, have all my questions answered. We're speaking with Kelly Kyle about elder law, estate planning, wills and estates. We would love for you to give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 672 
7464. You could also send us an email to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Kelly, I have a question for you and Professor Richard Gershon. This may be something you could answer also. You mentioned about the probate file. I love watching the uh, Finding Your Roots on PBS with uh, Dr. Lewis Gates and genealogy. Uh, how f- long do they keep probate papers and the ones that are now digitized, uh, do they have plans for keeping that, turning that into paper so that people can look that up? Well, um, the ones that are being digitized now, I I don't think they'll be converting those back to paper. I think that's probably the whole purpose of, of going digital in the first place. Um, but there certainly are will files that go back, I don't know, I, I would say probably in Hines County, you probably could go back 100 years or so. Uh, you know, in Hines County, we have two uh, judicial district courthouses here. We have the one down in Raymond that uh, predates the Civil War, I believe, and then we have the more modern one downtown. Um, I'm pretty sure you could go up on the fourth floor of the downtown courthouse back in the archives and, and find some wills that you would probably have to brush the spider webs and, and blow the dust off of them uh, to take a look. But uh, yeah, those are a great way of people tracing their roots because that will typically recites that uh, you know, I'm John Smith. I am the spouse of Mary Smith, and my children are uh, so on and so forth. So, a uh, great tool for genealogists, and I don't think they're going to be going away anytime soon. All right. Well, Professor Gershon, we have four calls, and before we get to any of these, we're going to take a quick break. We hope uh, when one of these calls drops off, that means our lines are free, and you can give us a call at one. 1- 877 MPB ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. I told y'all this is a popular show. We need to get your questions in now. You could also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. And where can you hear about funeral planning? We'll tell you about that after the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert, and we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast or at least just find the podcast. There's lots of different platforms. I happen to like uh, Podcast Addict. I have it on my Android phone. If you have an Apple, you've already got a podcasting platform on there. You, you get a platform and put it on your phone. It's just an app. Then you can find a plus or something that takes you to a page to search for podcasts, or maybe it has one of those Sherlock Holmes microscope, uh, you know, magnifying glasses to search. Then you type in in legal terms in the search area. It'll bring up our show. You touch the photo, and then you could subscribe, or at least you have all of our shows there 
that are listed, and you can go back and listen to old shows. This morning, we're talking about wills with our guest, Kelly Kyle. But on November 12th, MPB's Money Talks podcasted a program with guest Keith Dean, a board member on the Mississippi State Board of Funeral Service and a funeral director. And you can listen to that show at moneytalks.mpbonline.org or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's go ahead and go to the phones. We've now got Sheila, who's called in from Biloxi. Sheila, we appreciate you calling in, too, in legal terms to speak with attorney Kelly Kyle. Go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I have a question about my mother's uh, revocable living trust. She passed away in 2016. I inherited a uh, life estate, and my two children are the beneficiaries of the trust. I have two issues. One, I because the property was in uh, the trust, I did not report her death to the uh, county office. And so when the tax bill came, I was not given the, my, you know, the price that I usually pay, which was $333 a year. They charged me for no homestead exemption, and the full tax was $1,700, even though I'm, I was over 65 at the time of my mother's death. Uh, And I thought, well, uh, okay, I paid it, um, but now the bill keeps coming in the name of the revocable living trust. So nothing really changed, but I still had to pay that that big fee. Uh, So uh, that was one issue. I wondered if I had any recourse on that. And then my actual main question is, what happens when I die? Since you know, I the life estate ends when I die and my children become the owners of the property. Do they have to probate anything, or does the trust carry, uh, is is the trust executed when I die and then doesn't exist anymore? Because my kids are the beneficiaries that were written into the trust. Okay, (laughs) that's that's it. Okay, well, um, Sheila, thanks for calling in. Mm -hmm. I'm always happy to talk to folks down on the coast. Our firm, coincidentally, has a... Gulf Coast office there in Diamond Head. We've had it for about 15 years, so uh, I'll be seeing some folks down there a couple of days next week, as a matter of fact. Um, let's let's attack your two-part question one part at a time. As regards the homestead exemption, um, you said that you were given a life estate, but I don't know if that meant you were given a life estate uh, at the time the property was deeded to the trust or whether you were supposed to be given a life estate uh uh, out of the trust after mom passed away. Are you still listening? Can you answer that for me? Okay, I guess Sheila has hung up already. But um, no, no, I'm. Oh, are you there? Okay. So, did hey. were you given a life estate when mom conveyed the property to the trust initially, or were you supposed to be conveyed a life estate from the trust after she died? Well, when the trust was established by a lawyer. Uh, I, it was written in that at her death, I would receive the life estate. Okay, all right. So after mom passed away, let me ask this question. Who is the successor trustee of the trust? I don't know. Um, 
Okay, well, that, that could I don't be determined. Think that was established. Well, it should have been. Um, <clears throat> the trust would have been established with your mother as the trustor and trustee, but she would have named a successor trustee, the person to take over at her incapacity or death. Uh, you might very well be the, the trustee. So let me suggest you do this go to the Chantry Clerk's office in the county where your mom resided and ask them if they have a copy of a certificate of her trust on file and that successor trustee information should be in that certificate okay thank you but going back to your question about the life estate so as you have told me you were supposed to receive the life estate after mom died well the successor trustee and we still need to determine who that is is the one that needs to convey the life estate to you from the trust and i would suggest that maybe you get that done between now and the end of the year because then that would enable you between January 1st and March 31st of next year to go into the tax assessor's office and claim the homestead on that property. So then your taxes will go back down to the level you were expecting, uh, you know, before. Um, and then well, I have, I'm sorry, I have paid the taxes. Uh, my mother passed in 2016. <clears throat> I have paid the, the following year after the high taxes, uh, I went in and I uh, paid the uh, $300 tax. Okay. Uh, All so right. Well, it sounds like you've gotten me. that part of it resolved then. But um, as to the other question, what happens when you die? Um, the The property ownership has sort of been divided here. You have been given a life estate, and you said your kids were the uh, beneficiaries of the trust. That means at least the way I'm understanding it from you, they have now what we call the remainder interest in the property. So they technically own the property, but it's subject to your right to use and occupy it during your lifetime. A remainder interest is uh, sort of a, neb or excuse me, a, a life estate interest is kind of a nebulous thing. When you pass away, I mean, at the moment you take your last breath, that life estate disappears. So then the kids own it outright, no longer subject to your life estate. But Again, a life estate and the remainder interest needs to be conveyed from the trust by a deed. So I'm not entirely sure if that has been done. So I would suggest you uh, talk to a lawyer that's familiar with trust and let's do a little homework on it and, and see if we can get to the bottom of that. Okay, and tell me your name again. <laughs> Maybe I'll call you. Well, uh, my name is Kelly Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Uh, my mm -hmm. firm is Kyle, Wynn, and Associates. And like I said, we do have an office uh, down there on the coast <clears throat> in Diamond Head. So uh, okay. we, we could help you out with that, I think. All right. Well, thank you for that information. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Sheila. We appreciate you calling in. We are now going to go to Carthage. Gilbert, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms this morning. Go ahead. Yes, uh, good morning. I caught the latter half of the conversation regarding uh, a trust, I believe, where you could put your vehicle and your house into. I didn't catch the name of that trust, but uh, are, are liens, can liens be put against it if you owe money at, the, at your death? Well, they can. Uh, what we were talking about is called a revocable trust, and uh, the way it works is uh, our, our client, the one that sets it up, is called the trustor of the trust. Typically, they're also the trustee of their trust, and they're also the beneficiary of that trust during their lifetime. 
But because our client is the trustee of it, the assets are available to them, then those assets are also available. subject to creditor claims. So yes, the uh, creditors could uh, place a lien against that property that would have to be satisfied at that person's death. All right. And from your last caller, did I understand correctly that while uh, a house is in a trust, you can't have the homestead benefit? No, not at all. Um, Under Mississippi law, if your home is in a revocable trust, you still get the homestead exemption. Uh, If you're over 65, if you're disabled, uh, you still get every homestead exemption that you were entitled to before. The problem with the previous caller was that her mother had put the property in the trust. Mom was getting the exemption while mom was still alive. But then when mom died, that uh, meant a change in the status of the property. She didn't go down and uh, let the tax assessor office know what had happened. She, I think, still would have been entitled to homestead exemption. And in fact, she said that she did subsequently get the homestead exemption. But you just have to take that step to preserve it. Roger that. Okay, thank you. We're glad you called in today, Gilbert. Uh, We've had two people... Uh, call in and finish their questions. So we've got some lines open. If you want to participate with attorney Kelly Kyle, we're talking about wills, estate, probate, elder law, whatever you'd like to speak about with him. Give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672- 7464. You could also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Now we're going to go to Montgomery. Thank you for being patient and holding on. Uh, Drive carefully on the road. Uh, You're on the air with In Legal Terms. Yes, ma'am. I just pulled over. I don't want to be disrupted. Uh, My question is, my my grandmother passed with a settlement pending. She had five children. My mother and one more preceded her in death. The three went and made a, a an estate. So when the settlement came, well, after, while they were making the estate, it was, the question was asked, were there any more surviving, you know, heirs? And they said no, knowing that there were, you know, two at least, or grandkids, put it like that. And uh, so they went and made the estate, and once the settlement came, they didn't tell us anything about it. They got their share, left us out, you know, and then I confronted them, and they said, well, we put it in the papers for three weeks. It ran in the papers. If y'all didn't see it, that's y'all fault. Should they have contacted us, or did, was, are they liable for telling a lie, saying that they didn't know of any other heirs to the property? Okay, Montgomery. Um, so as I understand it, your grandmother passed away, and she did not have a will, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, That is a case of what we call intestacy. Intestacy means dying without a will. And in the probate process that goes along with an intestate estate, it's then uh, necessary for the court to determine who what we call the heirs at law 
are. And the heirs at law are the people that inherit from someone if the person hasn't done an estate plan. So from what you've said, your grandmother had five children, uh, two predeceased her, and I guess that was one of your parents that predeceased her? No, Is that correct? She, he said his mother was the three people, uh, and then I, the the yeah the the mother, his mother, and then the other person had grandchildren. Okay, uh, no, no, my mother was one that preceded her. Okay. okay, all right. So your mother did predecease. Um, right. In a situation like that, um, only the people that are in the same group that are most closely related to you would inherit from someone. So in this case where your grandmother died, she had three children. Those three children would be determined by the court as her heirs at law. And since grandchildren are a generation further removed from your grandmother, the decedent, then unfortunately only her children would be the ones determined by the court that would inherit from her. Wow. So that's why it's wow. it's so vitally important that people do an estate plan because I tell people it it's very it's, it's very simple if you don't do planning guess what a plan will be done for you but it's the state of Mississippi's plan that applies to everybody that that neglects to do their own planning so if you want to be sure that your wishes are carried out it's necessary that you put a plan in place. We say at our firm, everyone has an estate and everyone needs a plan. Great. Well, I owe them an apology because I bust them out. Well, I'm sorry to give you some not very good news this morning, but uh, unfortunately, that is the law in Mississippi. That's great. Thank you for your, that information. I certainly appreciate it. And I love listening to this station as well. MPB is great, isn't it? I, I do a lot of driving all over the state, and, and really, I, that's about all I listen to. I think I'm addicted. I'm going to have to give something the next time they have that drive. I'm sure they would appreciate that. <laughs> no doubt. Y'all have a great day. You too. Thanks. You too. Thank you, Montgomery. We're going to take our last break. There's just a few more minutes. If you have a question, we'd love for you to call in one 877 MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. You could also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Are you interested in learning more about elder law and estate planning from the Kyle Wynn Law Firm? We'll tell you how you can after the break. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Kyle Wynn and Associates is hosting a seminar in Madison, Mississippi on Saturday, December 7th. We'll have a link to that uh, and their phone number in the webpage and the 
podcast for this. Remind us one more time of the phone number that someone could call to sign up for that. Certainly, 1-800-524-4694. Or you can just go to the website. It's kyle-win, that's K-Y-L-E-W-Y-N-N.com. And there's a red button that says Seminar Reservations. Uh, or registration, and you can click it and put your name and phone number and uh, how many people will be attending, and uh, we'll sign you up that way. And I will be actually presenting that seminar uh, 10 o'clock Saturday, December 7th. So uh, love to see some of our listeners here at the seminar. All right. So Zeb, Rocky, James, and Dustin, we hope we can get to your questions. If not, please send us an email Legal terms at mpbonline.org. But we're going to start off first at Holly Springs with Zeb. Thanks for calling into In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yes. I uh, purchased a property uh, about five years ago with my sister. I had to pay cash for the property that I bought, and when the deeds were made out, they were made out with uh, my sister and I because we had to put up our land to purchase the house. And so uh, I went ahead and and, uh, bought the house, paid for it, renovated the house at a cost of about $350,000. Last year, I wanted to... uh, make sure that I will the property to my son. But I couldn't do so because my sister passed uh, while I was renovating the house and didn't get her name off my deeds. Her daughter uh, is now uh, holding up uh, her signature, re- removing her mother's name from my signature because she said that I owe her $20,000 or something, but uh, I don't owe her anything. When we borrowed the money to uh, buy the property, I borrowed the money from the Bank of Holly Springs in September. In June of the next year, I paid all of the money back to the Bank of Holly Springs and had the Bank of Holly Springs to send my sister a letter Telling her that you know she could her, her signature could be released because you know the bank had no holdings on the property, uh, and I just want to know how can I get my sister's name off that uh, off the deed? Zeb, you need to consult with a lawyer in your area, and I would suggest that you do it today. Um, I'm assuming that when you and your sister bought that property, you owned it as tenants in common. That means that you owned an undivided one-half interest in the property, and so did she. Um, That means that when she died, her half goes to her estate. And it sounds like you mentioned her daughter. It sounds like maybe they have opened an estate. Um, You need to talk to a lawyer there, see if there are any estate proceedings that you need to be a part of but it sounds like you've got a pretty substantial amount of money uh, invested in there, and uh, it's a pretty complicated topic. I can't give you advice over the air, but you need to talk to someone uh, right there in Marshall County that can uh, tell you what your rights are, maybe go over to the courthouse, take a look at uh, 
uh, documents that have been filed both in the land records and in your sister's probate. So go get you some good legal help and um, follow their advice. Thank you, Zeb. I'm sorry uh, that he he couldn't answer specifically to your situation, but uh, I'm glad he was able to steer you in the right direction, as we like to say. Let's go to Brookhaven and Ricky. uh, You've got just like a a minute or two, Ricky. uh, What's your comment or question today? Okay, I'm in the uh, process of trying to make a will. I have not uh, contacted the attorney yet. I've just listed out my assets. I have four kids. Uh, the house is in my name alone and not my wife's. We do a little thing, things a little differently. So uh, when I try to equally share among four kids, I wanted to leave my half of the house to two of my kids. Is that a, a thing that I can do without having to leave it all to my wife? Uh, yeah, Ricky, you can dispose of your property as you please in Mississippi. Um, you mentioned that you're doing a will, and uh, you said the house is in your name alone. I don't know if that was yours prior to marriage or acquired during the marriage, but you can leave uh, all of your stuff to whoever you choose, but that will very critically does need to mention your spouse, because if it doesn't leave her at least something, that will would be void. So uh, if, if your will was later probated, you were married at the time of execution, your wife was not mentioned, uh, the, the judge would throw it out and your estate would proceed intestate as if you had done no will at all. So sorry, I hear the theme music playing, so we, we can't go any further into it. But that, that's at least a good start for your answer. All right, so Ricky, James, and Dustin, if you have any further questions, please send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Kelly, Kyle, thank you. We've got to have you back again soon. I hope you will. I I certainly enjoy coming in and uh, answering your callers' questions. And Professor Gershon, we couldn't do it without you up there in Oxford. So we'll hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.